Thank you for tuning in and welcome to another epic edition of the Jerry Jones Show. Hosted by Jerry Jones, along with his sidekick, Kevin Anderson. Each and every episode is guaranteed to increase your profits and decrease your stress in dentistry. Welcome to the show. Hello, everyone. Jerry Jones here, and I'm bringing you another mini uh, dental audio business series or business of dentistry audio series, however you'd like to arrange those words. And um, as always, I have a very interesting, very cool special guest joining me, um, and I'm going to be peppering him with questions, and we're going to dive deep into uh, his uh, his uh, topic of uh, fascination and expertise. Um, and I think every dentist listening to this and every team member listening to this is going to be walking away with some real valuable information um, and stuff you can put to use um, because I'm going to ask some questions that will get uh, – information out of our guest and and allow you to use it so um, without any further delay I'd like to introduce uh, Kim uh, Blywise uh, Kim did I did I say your last name correctly you did you know it's been mispronounced so many times I'm not even sure I'm doing it right but yeah you, you hit it right on <laughs> that's hilarious because I have a gal that works for me she's worked for me for uh, probably 15 years no maybe not that long 12 or 13 years at least and most people think her last name is her first name, and her first name is her last name. And her last name is um, it's H-E-I-D-E, which looks like um, uh, Haida. It's supposedly supposed to be pronounced Haida, but um, in this case, it's pronounced Heidi. And so everybody wants to call her Heidi Sissel instead of Sissel Heidi. So, um, yeah, names. I've got one that nobody screws up very often. Um, I mean, they call me late for dinner, and they've called me uh, – mean names, but, um, you know, usually they pronounce it right, so I'm glad I did get it. Yeah, right. yeah. the worst you get is somebody spelling your name with a G instead of a J. Yeah, exactly, or they say, you know, hey, late for dinner, and I'm like, uh, no, don't call me that, because that's a major yeah. infraction, so, um, right. yeah, for sure. Well, Kim, uh, I'm glad you're here with us. Um, you have um, a business uh, that centers around Lean Dental Solutions. Your website is leandentalsolutions.com, and um, you you have quite, uh, you've, you've been in dentistry a long time. Um, and as we were talking before I got started, I said, Kim, you've been in dentistry longer than me, and it's not often I, I get to talk with folks who've been in dentistry um, longer than me. Not that I've been around for a long time, but 20 years. I've put in, some, I've put in a couple of decades. Um, sure. And you've been in uh, the dental industry for how long now? It will be 41 years in August. August 15, 1976, I started. So I started. I started in August as well. That's interesting. It must be a good time to start in the dental industry. Is the month of August. So, um, you've seen a lot of changes over the years. Um, but I'm sure there's a few things that you've seen that haven't changed. They're kind of the core principles of success in dentistry. Really, success in business. And it's some of those things I hope to get into today. Um, Kim, I'm going to turn it over to you for a few minutes before I start peppering you with questions. Um, just share with our listeners a little bit about who you are and, and what your business focuses on. And then we'll dive into some content. Sure, sure. Well, I'm uh, I'm married and for 40 years coming up soon, and uh, or 41 years, and uh, have four children and 13 grandchildren. We live in Farmington, Utah, and we've been here for about six weeks now. Grew up in Utah, but uh, spent the last 10 years in Southern California. I've been in dental, like I said, for for over 40 years, and I've had experience in in every facet of it. I started out putting together the shelves in a little dental supply house and stocking the shelves. And I've carried a bag. I've been in marketing and, uh, and R&D and uh, just about everything. I've, I've done everything but work on patients. So, you know, I, like you said, I've, I've pretty much seen it all. My, my degree was in, was in education, but uh, 
I was getting married and uh, needed a job, and my brother was starting a dental supply house and said, would you like a job? And I said, well, how are you paying? He said, well, how much do they pay as a teacher? In 76, I said, 8000 bucks a year. He said, ah, I'll pay you that. <laughs> so, <laughs> you got a bargain. <laughs> yeah, so the rest is history. You know, it's kind of like the mafia. Like you said, you know, I keep trying to get out and they keep pulling me back. But actually, you know, I, I, I enjoy the dental profession. There's, there's, there are good people in this profession. And one thing that has not changed over the years is it's a very intimate profession. People, people know each other. And, uh, you know, dentists um, are, are not, uh, do not lean towards having the kind of, of ego that you would have if you were working in the medical field, for example. They're more down to earth, and uh, I've enjoyed working in the times that I've worked at the schools and stuff like that. The people who are, you know, who are, who are well-known and expert in their field would, will, are delighted to take time with, uh, you know, with people like me or with anybody and uh, help them understand dentistry better and understand, you know, what it's all about. So I really do enjoy being in dental. I enjoy the people, and, I've, you know, I've, I've had some really good experiences and worked for some great companies. So anyway, so um, about, uh, about in 2013, uh, I was a cyber-endo. Cyber-endo went away, and so, so did I. And I, I decided to go into to business for myself. I decided I needed a, a, a product to uh, to sell. I, I wanted to use my expertise that I picked up at Cybron Endo, which was a Danaher company, for helping people run more lean in their dental practices. But also, uh, I felt like inventory control was something that was sorely lacking in, in the industry. So, um, you know, I, I came up with an inventory control system and released it to the market in, in 2014. And, you know, and so, and so here I am. Anyway, yeah. there you go. Um, you mentioned something that I don't know if I um, – I certainly don't talk about it enough, and I think it is worth mentioning because, um, uh, I mean, these are limited – you know, we're we're on these this this call, if you will, for a limited time. But it's important um, repeating. I've I found that you like you that the the folks involved in the industry are pretty darn special. They're nice people. Okay. Um, I mean, every industry has its bad apples and then the annoying people. But that's I mean that's just part of it. But the, the there is certainly a lack of ego. There is certainly a more down to earth, humble, um, approachable, uh, what I call real and reachable uh, to dentists and, and their teams. Um, yeah. I mean, if there are any hygienists listening to this, sometimes hygienists have more of an ego than the dentist. <laughs> um, yeah. Not that I've ever come across that in my entire life. Oh, no, no, um, no, no. not at all. Um, but you're right. I mean, just some really great people. I left dentistry one time, and I was gone for a period of three years for a non-compete, um, and I, I came back. Um, I had sold my business, and I was like, you know what? I really miss the people. I miss doing what I did. I loved it. I was good at it. I'm going back. So um, it's been you know over 20 years of interruption uh, in there for a period of time, but great, great industry, great people. Um, so mm-hmm. when you, when you left, um, uh, Cybron Endo, um, and you decided to open your own shop, um, and hold out your own, hang out your own shingle, um, why did you choose, I mean, what was it, did you see something lacking? Did you see a, a major need? And, and if you did, what kinds of things sort of said, hey, uh, Kim, this is a major need. Um, this is something yeah. I can help Dennis with. What what sort of alarm bells were going off? Well, the um, you know from a I, I mean in a very specific narrow way, inventory control hit me because I I 
it was rare I was ever in an office that knew how to control their inventory and they control their inventory costs. On a, on a broader sense, one thing that that I had noticed is that uh, their dentists, and, and this isn't meant to be any criticism, it's just it is what it is, dentists are not necessarily the best managers in the world. Uh, they, they don't know a lot about business, and, and of course there's a thriving um, profession of, of people who are out there consulting, teaching dentists how to, to manage their offices better because they don't get the training they need when they're in school on how to manage offices. And so, you know, I my belief was is there are plenty of people out there to teach them how to manage uh, their their employees. I wanted to figure out a way to to help people find ways to be more uh, effective in their use of time and space and resources. And so the uh, I don't know if, if how many people have heard of lean management. Uh, it goes back, and, and like I say, Sidron Endo and, and all that was, was owned by Danaher. They used the Danaher business system, which is based upon the, the Toyota way. Toyota Motors, and and I don't know if you've heard of that book. People can get out, go out and get it. But it talks about about lean management, and the idea is is you you go out, you go in, and you cut out everything that that is not an efficiency, and make things so that I mean, you know, it, it's called doing a kaizen which is to yeah. simplify things. So, you know, basically an example of a Kaizen, and I'm not real good at this personally. I'm looking at my desk and it's a mess. You know? <laughs> so if, if I were to Kaizen my desk, then I would have just what I needed on my desk and nothing else. My phone's going to be where it's the easiest place to get it. My computer's going to be where I'm not going to get a stiff neck. By, you know, and basically those things, I've, I've done that. But... Um, when it comes to something, and that's kind of on a micro level. On more of a macro level, if you look at a at, uh, at Cybron Endo, when we ties in a manufacturing um, procedure, we'd go in and move all the machinery out of the out of the manufacturing facility, and then go in and, and then meet and get some ideas and go in and map out with with uh, pieces of paper and everything where this machine should go so it flows to that machine so that this person can do this and that person can do that. And so then I looked at it and thought about, oh, what about a dental office? What if a, in a dental office um, a dentist could do something that would save them half an hour a day? If they just stopped and said just once in a while, it's called continuous improvement. Is this the philosophy? So, what can I do to improve my practice? Um, and stop and look and think about it. Okay, if I move that box there, I won't have to walk around it every time I'm going from operatory one to operatory two. That's, I mean, that's a crazy example, but that's an example. And it can get to the point where you're going, you know what? If I am not inventorying six months' worth of bids. The place where I'm storing that stuff, I could put a charting station with a laptop and then 
you know, my hygienist or whoever could go there and make the notes so that when the person's up at the heads of the front desk to check out, you know, all the stuff's up there. Whatever the case may be, it's it's a matter of, of getting the employees together and going and, and saying, what can we do to make things more efficient, to make the practice better? Um, and everything from, like I said, moving boxes to giving better um, um, value added service to the patients. Uh, what can I do to make the patients want to come back? What little thing can I do? It doesn't have to be a big thing. Let's talk about that in staff meeting. What can we do? What's one thing we could do to make our patients happier? And, you know, doing those sorts of things. And uh, so so that's how, how lean management works, is, is, you, is you troubleshoot stuff. You, you, if things aren't working, then... Uh, you go through and you ask yourself why five times. Um, you know, why didn't this work? Well, because of this. Well, why did that happen? Well, because of that. Well, why did that happen? Well, because of that. And by the time you've asked yourself that question five times, you found out what the root cause is of or whatever the problem might be. Mm-hmm. And uh, so there's a lot involved with this. I, I recommend that, you know, there there. um there are books on lean management and dentistry, and and the book the Toyota Way. I recommend people get those things. But you know, the, basically, what you want to do, and anybody can do it, is sit down on a regular basis and say, "What can I do this week, this month, this quarter that's going to make this practice more efficient, more effective, more profitable, kinder to patients, whatever the case may be." So anyway. Yeah. Um, that's a, you just kind of explained what my office has been through in the last um, five months. Um, mm-hmm. uh, we, we, had a, we made a string of hires in January, um, one of them, one of whom was which, uh, one of their primary objectives was to fix our inventory system and to fix um, uh, traffic flow, if you will, and mm-hmm. to eliminate every, every barrier between our team spending more time on people than on things. And that's how we mm-hmm. sort of looked at it is, um, is the idea that the notion that um, <clears throat> uh, we're not being effective with our guests. We refer to our patients as guests in my office. We're not sure. effective with our guests if we're spending time on things. And so by eliminating the amount of time we spend on things, we have more time to spend on people. And when we spend more time on people, we have more time to, to get to know them. We have more time to understand their concerns. We have more time to treatment plan. We have more time to deliver care. We have more time to do the things that matter, as opposed to reorganizing the the, the chairs on the you know the deck chairs on the Titanic. And, and um, it makes them say, "Hey, I got the best dentist in the world. I love them. They they treat me well. They they do this, that, and everything for me. Five stars on Yelp. You know, I mean, that's what it's that you know that's that's what it's all about. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> and similar to the approach that um, Cybern would take in the manufacturing. Mm-hmm. Um, our, our dental assistant, um, uh, lead, lead dental assistant, uh, she, essentially what she did is she came in on a series of weekends and gutted our office. I mean, and when I say gutted, I mean everything that did was not required to deliver top-notch care was removed. That included cabinetry. That included um, doors. That included, I mean, you name it. I, I was, um, well, there were a few of my uh, members who were here on a weekend <laughs> for an event, and I took them in there to show them what was going on and why. 
and mm-hmm. they were all very fascinated by it. But essentially what she did is she took everything away and then re-added that which only was required over a 90-day period. And the reasoning there is if we didn't need it during a 90-day period, we wouldn't ever need it again. And yeah. <laughs> it, it was unbelievable. Now, now here's the fallout because that's the good news. The bad news is you lose people um, because hygien- you know we lost a hygienist. Not you know not the end of the world, but she could not handle the idea of having less and that it was more. Um, had everything sort of in her mind that this is the way I need. This is what I need to practice hygiene. And mm-hmm. one hygienist got it. The other one didn't. One left. We still have the other one, and she's a huge advocate for what we've done. Uh, we lost a couple of dental assistants, and I mean, whatever. People leave and come and go for their own reasons, and and whatever. So it's not a big deal. But um, unbelievable difference in the way, uh, in the efficiency. Um, I, I can't believe it. And our supply costs. Um, there was an initial bump in supply costs because there was a lot of purchases for reorganizing things, for mm-hmm. simplifying the way. Um, uh, operatories were stocked um, by creating a central um, stocking area versus stocking each operatory, so to speak. Yep. Um, things like that. I mean, our supply costs skyrocketed for like two months, but now they are a fraction of what they were previously. And I was I, I was sick to my stomach to see all of the product we had, how much of it was expired. How much? I mean, uh-huh. we had, and I'm not kidding, a five gallon bag, a five gallon bucket full of instruments. I'm not kidding. I was sick to my stomach to see the waste because nobody could find it. Nobody knew where it was at. Um, I didn't know where it was at. I didn't know we had it. So it was a huge amount of wasted money over time. But now that everything is visible, it has changed changed our world. So um, is that sort of what you're getting at and what you envision when you say, um, you know, the idea of inventory control and, and, and lean management, in other words, doing more with people and less with things? And that's exactly that's exactly it. That's exactly what I'm getting at. You know, it's uh, we we just tend to accumulate as time goes on, like mm-hmm. barnacles. You know, and all it does is slow you down. You don't realize it's happening. Uh, you right. know, people talk about the, the frog being boiled to death because you raise the temperature slowly. Well, you know, you don't realize over a period of time that you're picking up all this baggage. And, and it happens in our lives too. I don't know, I don't know how it happens, but every time I move, I move into a smaller house, or, or, or move from I'm sorry, I move from a small house to another small house, and for some reason I still have to get rid of stuff. And I don't know I don't know if I any of it. I don't know where it came from, you know. But there it right. is, huge yard sale, and uh, you know everything. It's just crazy. And so the same thing happens in our everyday lives in business. You get in a rut, and so. What your a practice has to do is have an attitude of continuous improvement. Okay, we've mm-hmm. done this now. We've done. We've taken care. We've got the office running efficiently. But next month, in, in the staff meeting, we sit down and go, "What else can we do? Not perfect. Got to be something else you can do." You know, and um, you know, and and sometimes it. You know, you don't want to get nitpicking, but there's always a way to to do things better. And uh, and if some and things are always going to go wrong, and if things go wrong, you sit down and, and figure out why. You find out the root cause as to why. Mrs. Jones says, "I'm never coming back again." You know, well, not Mrs. Jones. That'd be your mother. 
But, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, maybe she'll say that. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. Mrs. Smith. So Ms. Yeah. Mrs. Smith, for some reason, says, I'm never coming back again. Why? Why? you got to ask yourself, why? Why is Mrs. Smith coming? This might be important. It might be important to know why she's not coming back again. You know, you it lose patience. of Mrs. Smith. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, you lose patience by attrition or whatever the case may be. There may be a real reason. Or somebody... You know, you, you find out I've got a seems like we got a lot of people that are rejecting our uh, um, the uh, treatment plans we're giving them. Uh, what? Why? Why is that? Let's ask ourselves. Start asking ourselves questions. You know, you're, you're just always trying to fine tune things, asking questions. Why is this happening? Why did that happen? How can we make things better? I mean, you don't want to be obsessive and compulsive about it, but. You know, you just want to have that philosophy. So as people are walking through the practice during the day, your, uh, your employees, then they're kind of on alert, you know, and they might see some just little teeny thing that nobody ever noticed just because they're thinking about it. And who knows the effect, you know, that butterfly effect even that that it could have. So, And, you know, it's, it's interesting what you were saying about the, the – uh, uh, your hygienist leaving. Um, it's hard to to separate from people, separate with people when they don't want to. They can't seem to go along with 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 what you've got. But you have to do that sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I I have a, a a potential customer I was talking to today uh, with our inventory control system. You the product has to be scanned out in order for the system to know it's gone. And, uh, you know, so they collect the labels and once a week or once every few days they scan all of it out. Well, the system they've got now is sort of similar. It's a tie tag system. Nobody ever knows they've run out of stuff because nobody collects the tie tag. Nobody tells <laughs> anybody else that it's, that it's gone. You know, there's no communication. And, and she says to me, I had, the, I had the person who does that, and, uh, or, that does the supplies, and the person is the office manager. They said, what do we do about that? I said, you know, it's a management problem. I said, I said, they've got to understand as part that, that inventory is important, and it's part of their job description to do this. It may seem like a little thing, but it's part of their job description. And if they're not going to do it, ultimately, maybe they want to work someplace else. They don't have to do that kind of thing. But right. uh, and you hate to say that, but uh, I told them, I said, well, the first way to deal with this is to get them invested in them. Ask them. Yeah, we need to do this. How? Yeah, exactly. How? How do you guys think we could make this work? How can we make improve this system? How can we get people to to communicate better? You know, and ask them. And then when they come up with the ideas, they're more likely to to buy into it. You know, um, the fact you you probably had a much easier time and don't even know it because it was your assistant that did all this stuff instead of you standing there and cracking the whip and saying, "You guys are going to come in." on your time off, and you're going to fix this mess, you know? <laughs> I mean... Um, yeah, good luck with that one. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So it's all about managing people and and realizing the needs they have, the feelings they have, the possibilities they have, and that not everybody's in the right place or, or meant to be there and other people may be underutilized and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And, I don't know, maybe yeah. I'm rambling off on another direction, but hey, 
Well, you bring up a great point about getting buy-in, um, and, and that was uh, very powerful, um, our, our lead DA. I, I hesitate to say uh, DA only. She does far more than, um, than dental assisting. As a matter of fact, she does very little dental assisting, and, um, but that's what her profession, quote-unquote, is. But um, her skill set is far beyond that. Uh, she, she spent a lot of time asking questions and trying to help each team member identify the roadblocks that were keeping them from um, spending less time on things and spending more time with our guests. And uh, every office is a little different. So what works in my office, what exactly worked in my office may not work in you know another dentist's office. Um, mm-hmm. and what works in his might not work in my office. So it, it, there's a, an approach to be taken. And it's not something you can just walk in and it's not slash and burn, kind of, but not. Um, it's slash and burn with buy-in. Um, but it's, it's an approach that has – it's kind of a delicate approach. It's something that takes time. Um, and that was a question I had asked her up front when I hired her. I said, um, so how long do you need to, to see this through? Because I didn't want to have unrealistic expectations. I didn't want to think that in 30 days this would happen or in two weeks. And she said 90 to 120 days. I said, okay, you've got 120 days and not a day longer. Um, so I set a deadline. I set an expectation, a deadline, and we agreed to what she would accomplish during that period of time, which she's done absolutely marvelously well with. And um, that is an example of getting, you know, of, of communicating with your team, getting an understanding of what their goals and intentions are, finding out how long it might take them, and then holding their feet to the fire if it's required. Um, I didn't have to ever one time crack the whip. If anything, I kind of had to hold her back a couple of times. In you know, in moving forward, just to make sure that we had everybody on board that we thought was ever going to be on board, mm-hmm. and you know, even even if you do it the right way, you're going to lose people. Um, it's just it's just the nature of the beast. But um, you said one other thing that, and this visual crept into my mind, um, and, and you said as we go through life, whether it's in business or in our home, um, whether it's, um, and I think the same thing goes with our psyche. The longer we're around, the longer our business is around, the longer we live in our homes, the more shit accumulates. Um, And that goes for our brain. You know, the more garbage that we buy into. You know, children have no preconceived notions about how the world is supposed to work. They see everything as, you know, sunshine and roses um, because that's all they know. And as experience uh, sort of, you know, beats us up, uh, we begin to attract you know, negative thoughts, negative thoughts about ourselves, about other people, about whatever. Um, businesses do that same thing. They attract a lot of crap, a lot of garbage. And a dental office that's a startup has a lot less crap in it than one that's been around for a year, two years, three years, four years, ten years, and 50 years, for crying out loud. So I, I got this image in my head of a ship, and there's a reason why ships get hauled out of the water. There's a reason why uh-huh. every fishing boat gets hauled out of the water once a year, and it's because you said the word, barnacles. Barnacles yeah. build up. And a barnacle changes the shape of the hull. It changes the efficiency of that hull. It requires more fuel to move that boat a mile than it would otherwise. And the same thing is happening to dental offices. So it's a great visual to imagine. You know, once a year you got to haul your, you got to hoe your practice out. I do that in my uh, my shop. I'm in a, uh, I work sort of from, I work from home, but I'm in a separate building, uh-huh. 36 by 36 foot shop with an office inside it. And once a year, if not more often, I'm making a run to the dump. I don't know where this junk, I don't know where this crap comes from, Kim. Just like you said, you move from one house to a small. You know, where does it, I don't remember buying this. Where did it come from? Well, I, the other day I I took a, a load of stuff and it was pallets. I had like six pallets. Uh, that's what I, I don't even remember getting these six pallets, but they take up a lot of room. So 
yeah. this happens in the dental office. Stuff is in your way. Like you said, you know, stepping around the stool every time you go from operatory one to operatory two. Well, move the stool or get rid of it. I mean, when was the last time somebody sat in it? And and start asking that why. And the fifth time you're going to, you know, get to the real root of the reason. So um, really some sage advice uh, that you're given here. Um, I want to spend a little time on inventory because I think you started the conversation there and there's so many quote-unquote systems for inventory. If if you had to give every dentist advice on some core concepts to understand about inventory because I don't think uh, – well, inventory is one of those um, items on a P&L that sort of creeps up over time. Uh, you've got a dog like I've got a dog. Um, yeah, my we staff. should have our dog doing this, them. by the way. Mine <laughs> probably wouldn't bark much, but um, – I don't mind, by the way, and neither do my listeners. They're used to it. Um, but I, um, I guess my, my point, my, my thought here is, are there some universal truths about inventory management that can prevent supply cost creep, that can prevent this loading down, the slowing down of the ship cruising through the water at an efficient rate? Um, mm-hmm. So in other words, is there, are there maybe like three or four big ideas that you could give any dentist about getting a handle on this, on, on the inventory yeah. side of things? I, I think that, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll tell us a couple of stories that, you know, your fans may not like, but I'll take the freight for it. Of all the years I've been in this business. Um, the first story is, is one that I have personal experience with, uh, in the Salt Lake Valley here back in the, around 1980 or so, um, there was a fire that uh, destroyed a uh, an office, a building that had four or five dental practices in it. And um, I was with a Desert Dental Supply, a local dental supplier at the time, uh, family-owned. And what we did was immediately, we found out about it, we had all the dentists over to our conference room with their insurance people and had a meeting to you know, to get get things, the ball rolling on them, to get them back in practice. We also called around to other dentists um, in the valley to find out who would have space for these guys to practice. And I say guys, they were all guys back in those days. Uh, you know, for these guys to practice dentistry and, and not lose their patience and things like that while they were waiting to get back up and running. Um, we did everything we could. Now, of course, we weren't running a, uh, this, this wasn't a ministry, you know, we were hoping to get their equipment and their supplies and stuff like that. But we, but we did go uh, above and beyond Call of Duty and did all kinds of things like this and did everything we could and gave them fair pricing and all this other kind of stuff. So a month after they were all back up and running, my uncle who worked for the company, um, went into one of the dental offices and uh, said, uh, I don't know if you know what an Impergum giant package yeah. is, yeah. but it's, it's, okay, it's, it's, it's 30 tubes of Impergum base hand catalyst. So, you know, 60 tubes. Um, went in and uh, told him, hey, doctor, we have uh, uh, Impergum giant on sale for $500 or whatever the price was. And without missing a beat, Without missing a beat, the doctor said, "I can get five bucks cheaper at Shine." <laughs> um, now, 
I'm thinking as I look at this, isn't there something he could have been doing with his time to improve his practice rather than spending the time it takes to browse through all the dental catalogs to save $5 on a $500 purchase? So that's one. The other story is was told by a dentist, and he was using the story to, to illustrate the same sort of point. He said he was with a fellow dentist, and they went in the basement of this guy's practice, and there were bags and bags, big garbage bags, 30-gallon bags stacked in the corners. The guy had been in practice for decades. And he says, what are all those bags? And he said, well, those are empty anesthetic ponchos. <laughs> I said, what are you doing with those? He said, well, they must be worth something. And so here's, here's oh. what I'm getting at. Here's what I'm getting at. Price is important, but it's not the only thing. And one of the biggest problems that I see is I, I go into dental offices even still, and I see so I see dentists who will spend sit around their lunch hour. They will take every free minute. They'll take catalogs home. What's their time worth an hour to sit down and browse and try and find the best price? Or they've got a dental assistant who's spending hours a day trying to find the best price. What is their what is their time worth? How much are they paying them an hour? If if they can save five dollars on a five hundred dollar order, and they're paying their assistant X number of dollars an hour, and it took her an hour to save that five bucks, what, where's the gain? Where where's the great ROI? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and what I found, as I've uh, done this with, with the system we we sell, a grasshopper house system, I I have people. To set them up, I have them provide me with a year's worth of their history. And then I put all this stuff on a spreadsheet. I come up with their maximum minimum quantities. I upload them to their system with the pricing and everything. So they've got it ready to go when they're, when they're starting to use it. But what I've noticed is Dr. A is using Shine. Dr. B is using Shine. Dr. C is using Shine. Dr. A is spending $5 more than Dr. B on bids, but Dr. B is spending $5 more than Dr. C on anesthetic is spending $5. And what it comes out to is this guy's spending more on this, is spending more on that, is spending less on this, is spending less on that. And they're all spending the same thing overall. And, um, you know, there's just no gain in spending all your time. My mother, bless her heart, she's been gone since 2003, but she would take the grocery ads every Thursday. She'd go to Safeway and buy two or three things that were on sale. She'd drive five miles to Albertsons and buy two or three things that are on sale. She'd drive a couple more miles over to, I don't know, whatever, and buy more things that are on sale. And, you know, so she's wasting gas. She's wasting time. She's, she's a registered nurse. She's working full-time. She's got her family to take care of. And instead of finding one store and going, you know, I'll just buy everything here because overall it seems like this is the least expensive. And if it doesn't work out like that over time, then I'll change. She's going here, there, every place, all over the place, trying to do this. And, and dental offices will do the same thing. I've, I've heard dental assistants almost in tears saying, the doctor makes me take the catalog home at night. Wow. And look for uh, the catalogs and compare pricing. So they're sitting in front of the TV set. They should be with their their husband, their their kids, or or just 
their time alone, which they've earned, and they're spending hours going through dental catalogs trying to find the best price. The price is not everything, and you can waste, you know, you can waste dollars reaching for nickels and dimes. The thing to keep your eye on is what we've been talking about, the hidden costs of doing business, the things you don't see, the barnacles, the things that are slowing you down. And those hidden costs can be, for example, um, I had one dentist, I asked him what kind of features in an inventory control system. He says, you ought to have something in there that reminds you that somebody's promised you free goods. Because, Kim, I have people come in here all the time and say, hey, doctor, if you buy this, I'll give you that. Oh, and then God. months later, I haven't gotten that, you know, and I realize I'm losing money on a deal. Or another, you know, I, I can tell you, and, and there are some really good dental reps out there, but there are also reps who you hand the back something and say, I don't want this, take it back for credit. They take that, okay, I'll get you credit for it. They walk out in their car, they chuck it in the trunk. And, I don't know, six months from now, they decide to kaizen, you want to use the terminology, their trunk. And they pull out this box that you gave them six months ago, and they go, hmm, where did that come from? Where did I get that? In the meantime, you're just too busy to have noticed that you didn't get a, I don't know, a $25 credit on something. There's money that's gone. You don't have the time to, to bird dog it to be paying attention to that, to doing those kinds of things. Those are the, the hidden kinds of costs. Stuff has been promised that hasn't delivered, things sent back for credit where maybe you haven't gotten credit for them. All these kinds of things add up. So you yeah. make sure you have a way of controlling your inventory, not just your prices, and you get people to work with you, um, dental reps, if you want, who will help you, who will buy into the fact that you need them to help your practice be the best practice it can be um, and that you expect them to be a partner and if they're not going to do that, then you're just going to go someplace else. Or, you know, and, and, and I see a doctor I, I know personally, I've known him for years, and uh, he was one of our beta testers for our inventory control system. And I was talking to him. He, he moved offices, and he says, Kim, he said, you wouldn't believe it. He said, I threw $20,000 of outdated impression material in the dumpster when we moved our office. I said, geez, what, what happened? And he said, well, my assistant was kind of sweet on the XYZ rep, and every time he needed to make his goals, he'd load her up with impression material, apparently. So what the dentist did, his reaction was, is now here. He's the dentist. He's managing a practice. He's got all these things to worry about. He goes out and lectures on the road. You'd probably know his name if I told you. And he's taken over the ordering of his supplies in his practice because he can't, he can't trust anybody to, to, uh, to manage it. And so that just shouldn't be. You should have something in place with inventory control. Even if you make up a spreadsheet yourself or whatever it is, you don't have to buy mine. There's other ones out there. You can make your own, but you've got to control it and not let it control you because it should make up no more than 6% of your gross. 
And if you're offsetting, if you're going, oh, well, I'm, I'm only spending 5%, yeah, but what percent of your gross is being spent by you saving that one uh, percent? If if it's nothing, if you if you're running really lean and you can do that, that's terrific. But if you know, but if you're doing all these other kinds of other things that we're talking about that we're discussing here, there's no game. It's, it's a it's a zero sum kind of game you're playing, and it's just not worth it. Just right. You know, throw away the glass car peels. You know, buy the dang box of of Imperdum Giant, and forget about the $5. Just spend your time doing the thing that's going to make your patients happy and is going to make you the most money, you know, and, and make you the most productive. So that's that, those are my feelings. Man, I've been a salesman for in the dental industry for 40 years, and, you know, my knicker's getting a bit of a twist when I run into the Your patience level is about like mine. We don't have it anymore. It's lost, and now it's just, if you don't like it, tough crap. We're going to tell yeah. you anyway. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, you do tend to lose your uh, your filter and your patience over time. I think that's yeah. normal. Um, and, and realistically, there is a lot to be learned from people who are at that level because their tolerance has, their tolerance has disappeared. It's been used up. Uh, and there's a reason they feel that way. Um, so and you know what? And, and they're they're not happy. One dentist who was doing that, I talked to. He says, "Kim, he says, all I do is think about this practice when I'm when I'm driving home, when I'm at home with my kids. When I'm doing all I think about, all I think about is is what's going on in this practice, you know. And and one of the manifestations was, you know, spending all his time looking through the catalogs. But I'm trying to tell him, don't you understand? It's not supposed to be that way." It doesn't have to be that way. You know, you're going to drive yourself into a statistic someday, and I've seen them, where you're going to end up, you, you know, just saying, I'm done with life. Not done with dentistry, done with life. Right. And, um, you know, things can just go off the rails if you're not careful. And some of these little things can be manifestations of that. So there's other ways, there's happier ways to deal with, with things in your practice, make them profitable, make your practice profitable and happy. I think you find that, obviously, in, in your practice. You've, you've given your people, you know, their reign. You've let them do the things that they're talented at and do those things, and it's 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 led to, uh, you know, what what if you'd taken that same assistant and said, no, 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 I don't want you doing that stuff. Here's a stack of catalogs. You oh, she already been gone. Night. I'd have lost her in, yeah. in probably a week. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Hey, so. you, you said something about, um, and this is a question I have a difficult time answering. I kind of think I know the answer, but I'm not certain, and I'm I'm going to rely on your two decades more than me experience and and your experience in the supply industry because I have no experience in the supply industry. Well, um, other than you know what they say: if you if you can't if you can't dazzle them with your brilliance, baffle them with BS. So go right. ahead, let me have it. <laughs> All right. So you got it. So why why do Dennis, I'm not one, and so I can ask the question, and I can, you know, I, I'm not trying to sound mean, but why do yeah. dentists fixate so dang much on supply costs when it represents 6% of their overall income? Why do they get so hung up on supply costs when they should be concerned about over uh, overtime, when they, you know, do they have, are they staffed appropriately? Do they have... Um, instead of worrying about supplies, should they be worrying about where they should, where they can get more new patients and open an additional hour or two or a full day, um, opening on Saturdays, you know, maybe being up from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m., 
uh, Monday through Saturday. I mean, why why do why do so many doctors get hung up on supplies? I mean, they're such an insignificant component of the practice. Yeah, yeah you need them. Yeah, they're an expense. But why why is there so much attention? I mean. Um, Mike Abernathy. I know Mike, great guy. Um, we've spoken at the same events together, um, but he started this company, this organization called Best for Dentistry, and it's all centered around saving doctors uh, money on supplies so they can compete with the big chains. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know what the big chains are paying, probably 4.5%, for their supplies on average. I don't really give a crap. Um, I can raise my prices and offset that and deliver more value than a big chain, so I don't care. But why do they get mm-hmm. so hung up? Why, why, why? Well, let me let me back up a little bit. I, I think it is an important portion of your overhead, but it, it shouldn't be obsessed on. Okay, uh, it can be controlled, and it, and it should control. It should be controlled, but but people let it control them. Uh, like and that's the question you're asking. And I think one of the reasons is it's a very uh, discrete metric that's easy to measure. It's you know it's it's easier. <clears throat> To look at it, you can you can run a report that says this dollar amount right here, that's what I spent on supplies, and this dollar amount right here is my billables, and I divide this number by that number, and this is what the percentage comes out to, and you know they can, so it's a very discrete thing they can get their hands on, and look at, whereas, you know change. Um, Jerry is hard. It's really hard, and and the things can seem very complicated if we don't understand them and, and very daunting. And so, it's hard for somebody to go. It's easy for somebody to go. Okay, well, this is a dollar amount. I can work with this dollar amount right here. Instead of going, how do I work with people? How do I be a better manager? How do I make my people okay. more productive? All right. How do I? How do I make my so it's customers a thing happier? People issue. Is exactly. So I, I say I something think, I can obsess about, but I don't have to talk to anybody about it or 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 solve a problem yeah. with another human. So it's, it's something it's I like can control. Dentistry. It's like yeah, I exactly. can do this filling, and the tooth isn't going to talk back and scream at me uh, or yeah, argue. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. And, and that and that may be part of the, uh, you know, maybe an overgeneralization. My brother used to say. And, and I didn't necessarily agree with him. There are some person, people who are like this, that, you know, dentists work in this little bitty hole all day, mm-hmm. you know, so they can get very focused on, on yeah. small things. Yep. And, um, you know, whether you agree with that or not, the thing is, it's it's easy to get wrapped up in things you understand at the expense of things that, that could really be helpful to you. And uh, if people can just overcome their fear of change, and, and just say, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to think about supply cost or price right now. What I'm going to do is I'm going to think about what can I do to make my employees more, or, or how can my employees be more productive? What is there in the office that can, is there a way, okay? Instead of me trying to save 1% on my supplies, how about, is there a way I can increase production by 1%? Mm-hmm. How can I do that? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and as they look at things like that, then, you know, 1% increase on production, you're going to look at a 6% of that 1% as being cost of supplies. It's a very small amount. 
and um, you know, but one percent of production isn't isn't a huge isn't a, isn't a huge uh, goal to look for. And um, it, but it, it can be done. People, though, right? And it deals. It so, does. It deals with people. It does. So when it, you, ask, you know, how, so when you ask that, it's it's like okay, so we're going from a thing to people. Yeah. So I, I've got a you know how do we get another patient in a day? Or, you know, and, and and let's look at it this way. How can I get in one more patient a week? Just one more patient a week. That's all. Just one. You know, it takes time to think about stuff like this, like that, and it takes some creativity. And frankly, at the end of the day, most of us are just too tired and too stressed and too whatever to have to deal with things that are kind of uh, intangibles, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, things you can't really get your hands around. And um, but you can always go back and look at your supply bill. It's right, right. there. It's dependable. It's going to be there. You know. <laughs> and, yeah. You know. So. Um, but if you're talking about seen, leadership, it, it throws them. It throws everything off because it's dealing with people in a, in a real mushy abstract. Versus. I, I used to know a dentist. I, I. He was my dentist. And every time I went in there. You know, I was going in twice a year. Every time I went in there, he had a different person at the front desk and a different person chair side. And I finally asked him, I said, Neil, what are you doing? Why why are you going through so many people? And he said, well, if I keep them on a certain number of months, I, I'm required to start offering them benefits. So what I do is, is I, when I get to that point, I get rid of them. And, and I mm-hmm. said, well, you know, you, you think about Think about that, Jerry. I, you, you know, you, I bet that kind of thing happens more than than we realize. Instead of instead of him going, well, how much is it costing me to to retrain people? What's it doing to my my patients? You know, here Kim's coming to me, going, I don't know these people. They don't know me. I love to go in and sit in the dental chair, and even if I don't know the name of the assistant. You know, or the, or the hygienist, she sits down, well, Kim, how are you doing? How's Laura getting along? How are the kids doing? How are your grandkids? Stuff like that. You know, I'm not great with yeah. Vegas personally, but but I love that, and and people love that. Well, that ain't going to happen if you're going, oh, man, she's getting close to the time where I'm going to have to pay benefits. I'm going to get rid of it. Wow. Um, yeah. You know. That's, but that's that majoring in minor things, right? I think it was Tony Robbins that, that claimed exactly. that. I don't know if it was or not, but. Um, we'll yeah. give the tall man credit. Um, majoring in minor things, in, in other words, yeah. focusing on the things that are unimportant. Um, and, and I was in a little, uh, real quick story, and then I want to talk about um, grasshopper mouse. Um, <clears throat> I was in a, a meeting with my uh, COO um, from both of my companies, um, Jerry Jones Direct and, and my dental office, and um, we were at a lunch. And one of them is an experienced COO of. 30 plus years, um, and so he really gets the gig. He really understands it. The other one is a new CEO, COO, and he is learning from the other one. Um, and something that he was he he was I'll use the word obsessing. He was particularly concerned about, and kept the concern kept coming up. Um, and finally, the the one who's had you know 30 plus years of experience just asked him, "Why do you care?" Why do you care? <laughs> and he just kept asking him, what does it matter? Why do you care? While, while it frustrated the daylights out of the other one, he got the point, and, he, and it really hit home with him. So, you know, why? I, I, I go back to that why. So <clears throat> yeah. um, I hate to 
cut you off, Kim, but I do want to I do want to talk about Grasshopper Mouse. So you have an inventory solution that does inventory, uh, but it's more like a this thing's like on steroids. I'm looking at your website, ghmouse.com, which is Grasshopper. It stands for GrasshopperMouse.com. Ghmouse.com. I mean, this thing is incredible. This has um, like it could almost make your practice fly if if your practice uh, had a license to. I mean, this is amazing. The different um, benefits and features that this product has. Um, this is your opportunity, Kim, uh, for a, a brief commercial, if you will, before we wrap up here sure, shortly. Sure. By the way, the phrase that came to mind was being in the thick of thin things. There you That's go. That's another good one. Anyway, <laughs> um, one. yeah, gra Grasshopper Mouse um, is an inventory control system and that uh, is meant to help you control your inventory and not let it control you. Um, what it does is, is it, uh, you know, it, you, you you, when you bring stuff into the office, you check it in. You, you use barcodes to track the stuff. When you use stuff, you check it out. In the meantime, it's keeping track of expiration dates for you and will send you an alert if a product is getting ready to expire. It keeps track of, as you run low on things, um, you know, you have a minimum and maximum inventory level. Minimum is when you buy. Maximum is how much. And your maximum shouldn't be more than about a month's worth. When it hits the minimum, you get an alert telling you it's time to order. Um, when um, you have a warranty that's running out, you get an alert 30 days ahead of time to tell you so you can get your, you know, go ahead and, and get your uh, your equipment, uh, you know, maintained. If you've sent something back for credit and you don't tell the system you've received credit within 45 days, it reminds you so you don't have to worry about bird-dogging credit memos. It's going to remind you. If you've sent something out for repair, you tell it what day it's due back. And if it doesn't come back on that day, if you don't check it in, it reminds you and says, where's your handpiece? Yeah, it was due back today. If you were promised free goods, you know, buy six, get one free, 30 days from the time you tell it you're supposed to get free goods, it says, where are your free goods? You haven't told the system you've received your free goods. Where are they? So it takes, it, it makes us use don't have to think about the stuff is what it's all about. So when stuff comes into stock, you label it, you scan it in the stock, you put it away, and as stuff comes out of stock, you scan it out of stock. You can use the system for Patterson, for Shine, for Darby, for Costco, for the corner grocery store, for, for anything you want to track in the system. You know, you can track in the system. I've got accounts that are tracking the stuff they buy from Amazon, the stuff they buy from Office Max, the stuff they buy from Shine. You can track it all because it's all costing you money, and then that way you just don't have to give it a second thought. So that's what it's for. It's not. It's not a system for ordering. It's not a system for receiving only. It's a system for controlling your inventory, so it doesn't. You don't have to give it a second thought. So boy, inventory that's, though. That's kind of the you know. Um, yeah, this is really cool. Well, um, I'm on the site. I'm encouraging all of our dentistry clients. And by the way, I have no financial interest in this at all. I don't get a kickback of any kind. Um, this is just me looking at this product going, this is something you ought to look at. If inventory control is something that you're concerned about, which you should be because you're running a business, um, you need to check this out. Get a hold of Kim. Get a, uh, go to ghmouse.com. Kim, you have a, de a demo that um, can be requested as well, a free demonstration on how this process works. Exactly. Yeah, they can sign up for one online. It takes half an hour. We do it online. So, yeah. Oh, very cool. 
um, how would people reach out to you if they want to talk to you? Uh, sometimes folks like to you know talk to a live human first. Um, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? If, you know, if they go online uh, on ghmouse.com and request a demo, it, it, that sends an email directly to me, and then I reach out to them immediately as soon as I get it. Okay. And, uh, and, and, I'll, and I'll send them an email and say, you know, this is what a demo is all about if you'd like one. Um, and my, all of my contact information is on there. Or there's also a telephone number on the website there, uh, 714-912-4183. They call that. That's my, my office phone. And I'm happy to talk to anybody. And, uh, you know, and, and if anybody's got any questions about uh, any of the stuff we've talked about, I'm happy to talk to them about it. You know, it's, it, I don't charge them for that kind of stuff. It's just who we are, what we do, you know, make the business world better. So, anyway. Um, I, I love the approach. And it, it's very – this whole I, this whole concept, putting it into terminology that anybody can understand, this people versus things. Um <laughs> Your your lean um, your lean management philosophy really plays into that. Grasshopper mouse really plays into that, allowing you to spend more time on on people, your family, your team, and being a leader as opposed to tracking down the cheapest price on a dang cotton roll. Um, who yeah. cares, right? I mean, I'd ask the yeah. question: Why do you care? Um, add one percent to your income, and then you don't care about a six and a half percent supply cost. So you're over half percent. Work on it when you can. It isn't important like the people. So. Yeah. Um, Kim, your time has been valuable. I've learned a lot. I've really enjoyed getting to know you some more. Um, and Thanks, I would Jerry. encourage our listeners, if you want to hear more from Kim, um, I would love to have him back on as a guest. And so let me know if you'd like me to, uh, to schedule another time with Kim and we can get deeper into um, this, this philosophy and maybe dial in uh, a little more uh, on some of these concepts. So, um, Kim, sure. thank you for your time, sir. Um, Thanks, be sure Jerry. to check out ghmouse.com. Um, uh, and uh, and schedule a free demo. Um, I mean, gee whiz, it won't hurt. Um, it could actually really change your life and give you some more time with your family, which is really what we all want. So, Kim, thank you, sir, and for the rest of you, Jim, next month. Thank you. Hey, Jerry Jones here. Thank you for joining me on this edition of the Jerry Jones Radio Show. You've reached the end of this segment. You can always listen in to the next show by visiting jerryjonesdirect.com forward slash podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher, or find the show at blogtalkradio.com forward slash Jerry Jones. For more information about Jerry Jones Direct, go to jerryjonesdirect.com or give us a call, 503-339-6000. Our member ambassadors are standing by to assist you. And once again, thank you for listening to The Jerry Jones Radio Show.